Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Greetings. Welcome into another edition of Inside Boxing Live. Happy to have you with us. I'm your host, Dan Canobio. In this year-end episode, we're going to hear from a number of stars in the boxing world. You're going to hear from CBS Sports' Brian Campbell, who's a big star, at least in my eyes. Bernard Hopkins joins the program, arguably the best middleweight of all time. Lennox Lewis drops in. He has some interesting thoughts on the heavyweight division, as well as what's coming up on the PBC schedule. And we also catch up with rising star Ryan Garcia, the Instagram uh, sensation. Some big action over the last couple weeks. We want to keep you uh, caught up with here in the world of boxing. Over at the Barclays Center this past weekend, Fox and PBC rolled out their first bout of their two-year contract, and it was a competitive card. How many times have we seen in the world of boxing over the last year a lot of blowouts, a lot of mismatches. And it wasn't the most exciting uh, night of fights, but it was a very competitive night of fights. Uh, Jamel Charlo, he uh, had a very controversial loss. Jamal Charlo had a big win over Matt Kobaroff. And in the opening bout of the night, the heavyweights, Dominic Brazil, who was the mandatory uh, for Deontay Wilder, had an emphatic KO to start off the night. But I do want to highlight... One of the fights in particular that had a little bit of controversy around it, that was Jamel Charlo, uh, t- who took on Tony Harrison. Tony Harrison came away with the win in a unanimous decision. I was ringside doing my job for CompuBox, and I know a lot of people ringside that had Jamel winning. They thought he threw more punches. They thought he he was the aggressor. Uh, you know, they had Tony Harrison was fighting on his back foot for most of the night. But he was able to land some good shots, Tony Harrison. Uh, but just to show you some of the numbers between uh, Charlo and Harrison to show how close this fight was, Charlo had the edge in total connects 160 uh, to 128, only a 32 punch edge in connects, but over you know 12 rounds, you know it, it adds up. Charlo threw nearly 200 more punches than Tony Harrison. I think it was 177 more punches, Charlo. So he was the clearly the more aggressive fighter. Uh, on this night. But just to show you how close the fight was between Charlo and Harrison, they landed within five punches of each other in nine of the 12 rounds. That's incredible. They were dead even and connects through nine rounds. So that shows me, like I said earlier, that Charlo had the 160 to 128 edge in total connects and they were dead even through nine, that Charlo really stepped on the gas pedal from rounds 10 through 12. I thought he did enough to get the decision, but you know what? The judges saw otherwise. They had Harrison, who picks up the win. Tony Harrison from Detroit, from Kronk Gym. He picks up a title. It's going to be interesting now to see who he fights next. Will he have that rematch with Jamel Charlo? Like Jamel uh, Charlo said afterwards, that he has a rematch clause. Within four months, they have to fight each other. Or will he go right for Jared Hurd, a fighter that he already lost to, uh, and try to unify those titles? So... It's an interesting time in the in the world of boxing, interesting time in the super middleweight division. Uh, it's one of the best divisions in boxing at the time with Jaime Munguia in there as well. As for the Fox show as a whole, they did a really good number. I think they had close to 2 million viewers. Uh, there was a lot of stuff going on. The holidays were in full effect. You had people out and about. So I know that Fox was happy with, with that number. Uh, you know, the Dante Wilder was in attendance. It was great to see the Bronze Bomber out there. He was walking through the crowd. 
and uh, people were starting to take notice of, of Deontay Wilder, and you know he was loving it because, you know, long after the fights ended, I think it was about 20 to 30 minutes after the fights were over, uh, you know, Deontay Wilder was still there at the fights. He was still there in his seat taking pictures with the fans, talking to everyone, and it just led me to believe that the heavyweight division right now is on fire. You know, we're going to hear from Lennox Lewis in a little bit, who we kind of made some noise with on the internet uh, with this interview I did with Lennox Lewis. He criticizes Anthony Joshua. And we're also going to talk to, to Brian Campbell to get his thoughts on the heavyweight division. But I wanted to throw out a poll on our Twitter, at CompuBox, to get kind of a feel for our audience and what they believe, who they believe the best heavyweight is right now. And they, by the looks of it, from our audience at least, I put out the, the question, who is the top heavyweight heading into 2019? 45%. Think Tyson Fury is 41%. Uh, think Anthony Joshua is, but just 14 for for Deontay Wilder. I mean, it's a great time in the world of boxing because the heavyweight division is alive. You have three top contenders, three huge uh, personalities, especially uh, Tyson Fury, who many are saying is the you know the person of the year, if that is even an award. And, you know, he has has my vote between Anthony Joshua. Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, they're all going to battle it out in 2019, or at least we hope so. We have a jam-packed show for you today. You're going to hear from Brian Campbell. You're going to hear from Bernard Hopkins, Lennox Lewis, Ryan Garcia. We have a brand new, in case you missed it, featuring Adrian the Problem Broner. Uh, stick with us. we got a lot coming up next. Had the chance to catch up with heavyweight legend Lennox Lewis at the Charlo press conference. Uh, Lennox had a lot of interesting things to say, especially about Anthony Joshua and whether he's going to fight Deontay Wilder or Tyson Fury and if he'll ever come over to the U.S. Check it out. One of the, the biggest fights on this on this Fox PBC rollout is Mikey Garcia, Errol Spence. Uh, you know, you got, you got uh, Mikey Garcia jumping up in weight to take on the probably one of the best pound-for-pound welterweights, at least in my opinion. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think Mikey Garcia is making the right choice here, and how do you see that one playing out? Listen, it's always difficult to jump up. I wouldn't really tell anybody to do it. Some people can do it, and some people can't do it. Uh, we're just going to have to see how, how he makes out. But, uh, you know, like I said, very few people can jump up and really make a, a, a big impression. What would you tell Mikey, uh, you know, jumping up and weight like that, what would be the best way for him to, to, to get a victory? Uh, you know, he's got to do what he does the best. You know, he's always uh, been a, a good fighter, very aggressive, and throws good punches. You know, now he's got to do that against a guy that's heavier than him, that in the, that's in the heavyweight class. It's difficult to do that. Uh, so I wish him all the luck, and I think he, he's going to... Uh, bring out a good fight anyway so both guys Errol Spence and him will be a great fight. Now I can't talk about the heavyweight division without asking you Lennox Lewis your thoughts on everything that's going on right now in the division you can say arguably it's the most exciting it's been since your time back in the 90s and early 2000s you obviously watched Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder how'd you have that one scored? What a what a fantastic fight you know uh, the last fight great fight in the Staples Center was actually me and uh, Klitschko yep. And I was thinking to myself, is this fight going to be just as good? But I wasn't disappointed. I wasn't disappointed one bit. Uh, a lot of drama in the fight. Uh, it was going one way. It was going the other way. I uh, sometimes you didn't know who was going to win. Uh, you definitely did see the, seen a lot of uh, boxing from Tyson Fury's side. You've seen the power from uh, Deontay's side. And, uh, you know... They're going to have another fight, so uh, I'm happy about that, and we're going to get a, a chance to see it again. Now, I, had, I was talking to Bernard Hopkins last week, and he said that was a slow count. 
100% slow count. He said, God, my, my 95-year-old grandmother could have counted faster than that. Do you agree with that whole slow count controversy? Or did you think that, that was, he got up at the right time? Let me tell you, there's a lot of different factors in the fight. Slow count, the fact that the referee did count in the first place because, you know, when, when you see a guy get knocked down like that, especially in the last, last round almost, and then laying there, usually referees usually wave it off and say, it's done. This referee was, like, counting. And I'm like, dude, he's got his eyes closed. And then all of a sudden, like, he risen from the grave, he got up. So, you know, th those type of fights are uh, exciting to watch. A lot of drama in the fight. So nobody was disappointed. So you want to see a rematch between the two? Or would you rather see Deontay Wilder say, you know what? I might not be able to beat Tyson Fury. I better jump up to Anthony Joshua and try to get that unification. No, I think uh, they should have a rematch. Anthony Joshua can wait. He doesn't want, he doesn't want any of those guys. You know, uh, when he's seen that fight, he's like, wow, these guys can box. And now they're going to do it again. He's at, he, you know, he's at one place in his career and in boxing. So obviously he can make the decisions that he can make. And his decision is not to fight any of them at, the, at this moment. I think he wants uh, Deontay. I do believe that. Now, you made the jump from the UK over to the, to the States, something that Joshua hasn't done. Would you advise him to do that early on in his career and get that over with? Because it's a huge market that he's missing out on. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he, he'll come over here quite, quite now. I think he's too happy in England being protected and, and uh, you know, boxing in front of the British crowd. Now, uh, finally, last thing, HBO got out of the business. You had your, some of your biggest fights on HBO, some of your biggest memories broadcasted on HBO, too. That's where we got to work together. Yeah. What are your thoughts on them saying goodbye to the boxing world? Well, the only thing I can say is uh, HBO uh, has been there a long time and it represented a lot of boxers in, in their time and uh, I was one of them and it, it's going to be sad to see them go. Uh, and anytime there's a downfall, there's always a birth. So this is the birth of PBC and Fox. What's your, your favorite moment ever on HBO? Um, Beating Hasim Rockman. Oh yeah, yeah. That was that was a, that was a bit favorite moment. I had a great Christmas after that. A big validation for you on that one, right? Yes, big, big, big. All right, Lennox Lewis will be calling the fight Saturday night at the Barclays Center. Thanks for the time. All right, bless. Professional athletes they have pregame rituals. Wade Boggs would eat a ton of chicken before a big game. Manny Pacquiao goes on the Jimmy Kimmel show and sings. As for Adrian Broner, he likes to get arrested before a big fight. This is this week's. In case you missed it. Over this past week, Adrian Broner, yes, he did get arrested once again. It's a bench warrant from a speeding ticket violation back in December. It's not a new crime for Adrian Broner, but a distraction uh, nonetheless. As for Manny Pacquiao, he's back in Los Angeles. He's reunited with Freddie Roach and Boo Boy at the wildcard gym as he gets ready for the January 19th matchup. Did you see this, though? 50 Cent posted on his Instagram, which can be very provocative at times. He posted a photo of a clearly photoshopped Adrian Broner, who, as we know, has had problems with his weight and, uh, and getting it cut off. It's been an ongoing uh, running storyline uh, for this promotion. Uh, 50 Cent pulls no punches on Instagram, as you can see here, with a bloated uh, Adrian the Problem Broner. And one of Manny Pacquiao's entourage members showed him the picture of a, the bloated Adrian Broner. Pacquiao got a kick out of it as he was doing his sit-ups in preparation for the fight. So as you can see, business is picking up in the Adrian Broner-Manny Pacquiao promotion. Can't talk about Manny Pacquiao without talking about Floyd Money Mayweather. He's in action on New Year's Eve, believe it or not. Yes, he is fighting in a three-round 
exhibition boxing match over in Japan. He's taking on Attention Nasakawa. Uh, Nasakawa is a phenom over in Japan. 20 years old, 27-0 as a kickboxer. Never has stepped into a boxing ring before. So that's two opponents in the row now, in the row now for Floyd Mayweather who have never, ever laced up the boxing gloves. He's a bantamweight, too. If you take a look at uh, the size differential in some of the, the promotional photos they've done between Floyd and him. But Floyd is saying, you know what? This is all entertainment. I'm just coming here to entertain. He's going to go into a new market in Japan. And guess what? This reports that he's going to make upwards of $88 million for three rounds of exhibition. There'll be no judges. It's not going to be any judges if it goes to the scorecards, which is probably going to go to the scorecards because Floyd doesn't knock anybody out. They're going to, it's not going to be a winner or a loser uh, in, in this matchup. Uh, as for, for uh, Nasakawa, he's said some pretty interesting things. He says that Floyd says a lot of uh, provocative things, and I, I want to kick him in the head. So I think that if fans tune in and the fight's getting a little boring and, and, and uh, Nasakawa decides he wants to kick Mayweather upside the head, that will break the internet and that thing will go crazy. But all the time, I'm constantly asking, why does Manny Pacquiao still fight? You know, why does Floyd Mayweather still fight? And, you know, the reason, it's right here. Why should he be hungry? Why does Bill Gates still make them fucking computers? Hmm? He got about $50 billion. So tell me, why? That's why Floyd's still hungry then. He's got a point. Roger, he's got a point there. Uh, moving forward here, Keith Thurman says that 2019 is going to be a get-back year for Keith one-time Thurman. He's looks like he wants to fight two times in 2019. He says he eyes big fights in 2020. I was at this press conference. It was held at the Barclays Center on uh, this past Saturday on the Charlo card. And uh, first of all, he was about you know 40 minutes late, but you know that's what we expect uh, from Keith Thurman. He shows up, and I can't believe he said the words "get-back year." After being out of the ring for two years, he says he's going to be a get-back year. He eyes big fights in 2020. His reasoning for, for big fights in 2020, he said that it's an Olympic year. Whatever that means, he said he likes the sound of, 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 the, of the year 2020. So if you're expecting Keith Thurman to get in the ring with Errol Spence in the second half of 2019, if you're expecting Keith Thurman to get in the ring with, with Sean Porter in uh, the second half of 2019, probably not going to happen. That's the one thing about Keith Thurman is he just tells it like it is. He's got a truth serum. He doesn't. Uh, it's kind of refreshing in a way that he doesn't tell you, you know, a lie and say, yeah, I'm going to get back in the ring in a title fight. He said he's going to have two tune-up fights in 2019 and expect him to have a huge fight uh, in 2020. So you have to take the word from uh, Keith Thurman there uh, as he uh, breaks down his career. Finally, some good news here to round out the year. Adonis Stevenson out of the coma and responsive, according to his uh, longtime girlfriend. Of course, he fell into the coma on December 1st uh, when he uh, lost his title over in Montreal, uh, his hometown. And, uh, you know, it was great to see a lot of the fighters sending these videos to Adonis Stevenson rallying around him and, uh, you know, wishing him well. But it's great that he's up. He's responsive. I heard he's listening to music. You know, he, he's reacting. He's smiling. So hopefully Adonis Stevenson can make a full recovery and he, he can uh, continue on with this life. Get better, Adonis. We're all, we're all pulling for you. That is it. That is this week's In Case You Missed It. Uh, before we get to CBS Sports, Brian Campbell, I have to tell you about our sponsor, Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar, located right in the heart of New York City, 35th Street and 7th Avenue. Now's the time 
to head into Jack Doyle's to watch some of those bowl games. You can catch some NBA action. You have MLB baseball right around the corner. Go into Jack Doyle's. Tell them the Inside Boxing Live crew sent you. That's Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar located on 35th Street and 7th Avenue, New York City. And with that, we're going to bring in Mr. Brian Campbell. He joins us right now from Irving, California. I know he was supposed to be in Las Vegas. Uh, he's covering uh, the UFC 232 saga it is right now. Mr. Brian Campbell, thank you so much for joining us. Hello, hello. Can you hear me? Yes. All right, yeah, live and direct from Los Angeles, Dan. Happy to be back on the show. As long as you can hear me good, I'm ready to rock and roll. Can you hear me now? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Perfect. Fire the heck up. Who cares about this UFC stuff? Let's talk box, right? You want to talk box? Let's talk some box. I was going to ask you, you know, how was the travel? But, you know, I guess you don't want to bog down the, the our listeners with that. Oh, sorry, sorry. You broke up before. Yeah, the travel was, uh, was, was, this is an unprecedented circumstance. Could you imagine how much crap a boxing promoter would take for moving a fight to a new state for one fight like this at the last minute? It's an, it's an interesting, but, you know, I'm in paradise right now on the beach in Southern California, and that's better than Vegas every day of the week. So I'll take that. I'll take that, Dan. How badly did it mess up your travel? I'm curious of this type of stuff because I think about, you know, the media and all that stuff, and when they had to, like, got news of this, obviously you had, you know, hotels booked, you had flights booked. You know, was that a little disarray around the holiday season? Uh, I didn't have to pay for that change. So uh, in the end, it didn't bother me that much, but certainly – you know, I saw uh, media members from other outlets had to cancel the trip altogether because of the, you know, the financial hit that, that you take changing plans like that. Certainly a lot of fans had some horror stories of, you know, saving up money all year for an event this big to only, you know, lose their, just to have to, to, to cancel and move on and, and take financial hits to that, that regard. I mean, look, this is really an unprecedented situation altogether. I'm, I'm happier with the venue switch, but it certainly casts an interesting cloud of questions around the whole situation to, to have it break down like that. Right, right, right. Combat sports in a nutshell. You never know what you're going to expect. But let's talk some boxing. That's why we have you on. This past Saturday at the Barclays Center, we saw the Charlo Brothers uh, co-headline a card on Fox. Uh, you know, there was some talk about their stocks uh, falling a little bit. You know, you had Jamel Charlo uh, losing his title to Tony Harrison. You had Jamal Charlo winning a close decision over uh, Kobarov. What would you say? about the Charlos and uh, this card as a whole? You know, I think it is, it's correct to say that it was a little bit disappointing overall when you consider that many people coming in wanted them facing much tougher opponents on this type of platform. You get from a PBC Fox standpoint why you're going to showcase the Charlos in your first fight of this brand new deal and why really you want to put them in a showcase opportunity, show their personality, show their incredible mix of talent speed, athleticism, power, I think we all came in there thinking, okay, very credible opponents that they're facing, not world beaters, though. We're probably being set up to see two knockout wins for the Charlos. So to not get that, certainly I think it was a, a letdown from that end for what you thought you were coming in. Now let's not over, over, use that to overshadow the performance from Tony Harrison at Matt Korobov and the fact that what we got in the end were two close, you know, hard contested fights that I enjoyed both of them, but that was supposed to be an exhibition, as they said in Rocky Four, right? They didn't yes. know. No one told Matt Korobov this was going to be an exhibition. Same thing with Tony Harrison, so that's why we had two competitive fights. If you came in thinking the Charlos were right at or right on the outside looking in of the top 10 pound for pound, I think both of these performances really took you back from that to a certain degree. 
huge talents. These guys still obviously can or will go on to and can go on to do giant things. But I think this was a little bit of a reality check because uh, it can't be easy facing a, an opponent like Korobov on last minute with such a determined, tough style. And I think Tony Harrison just fought really the fight of his life. You have to give him that credit, whether you thought he deserved it or not. I think everyone thought with that chin, Jermel Chalo was going to walk through Tony Harrison. So to have a competitive fight like that in the end, great for the fans. Maybe not perfect for selling the Charlos as the next big thing. Yeah, it was good for the fans. The one thing about this this Fox card is, you know, we've seen so many mismatches in 2018. Hopefully that's something we see, you know, change in 2019. But it was competitive. But all three fights, even, you know, the, the heavyweight fight, Brazil, he was almost down on some cards when he finally landed that, that knockout punch later on in the fight. But going back to Jermel Charlo, what do you think he does next? Do you think we see a rematch with Harrison or, you know, Jarrett Hurd was in attendance. You know, he was kind of just like licking his chops at, at the thought of fighting, uh, you know, uh, Harrison and picking up that that. that third 154-pound belt. Uh, what do you think's next for Jamel Charlo? You know, I think for with Jamel, you have to do that rematch because a lot of people thought he won to begin with. So you run that back. If he wins back the title, then I think you can still go into a unification bout against Jared Hurd, which, by the way, would still be one of the best fights you can make in all of boxing, especially if Jamel can come back and win that. Yes, he would have a loss on his record, but like I mentioned, a lot of people thought he won anyway. If he can come back and win even more demonstratively than people thought he won the first time around, I don't think you lose much luster overall on the idea of doing Herd Charlo. I don't think you should run into Herd Charlo now, though, without that. I think the idea of bringing two prime young fighters with titles and unifying is kind of going along with the direction that the sport's at right now. We didn't used to see these unifications. People like Terrence Crawford and Alexander Usyk winning all four titles at once. I like this direction we're going. So I still think you can make that fight, but I think Tony Harrison deserves a second chance. That was a fantastic performance. And, you know, there's certainly a lot more people that thought Charles should have won. I know Teddy Atlas came out and supported Harrison. At the very least, he won the night. And I know we hate that, right, Dan? We hate yeah. Max Kellerman, who won the story of the fight. But Harrison certainly won that night give him that second chance oh he definitely he definitely stole the stole the show but as for jamar charlo he's a little more interesting to me because you know he actually won the fight and his he can go so many different directions but you know if you could sum it all up where does he go you know danny jacobs is, is out there but he's a free agent you know that he always wants canelo and triple g i think for jamal you know it's a very interesting time in his career it's almost like a crossroads he can go so many different directions it is it, it, it could end up being uh a rough time in his career if all of the top and middleweights continue to, you know, veer closer to the money coming out of the zone right now at the moment. We know that's where Canelo went. We know Andrade's there. We know Billy Joe Saunders is the zone friendly. We know Triple G and Danny Jacobs both feel like they're going in that direction. But if one of those don't, certainly that's the big fight for Jamal Charlo. I don't think any boxing fan would be upset if we start building that collision course to seeing Jamal Charlo against Danny Jacobs or Jamal Charlo against Triple G and, I don't know, a Fox pay-per-view. I mean, <laughs> th those are some big fish out there for Jamal. But if everyone ends up taking that money and getting in the zone, as they say, Dan, oh, yeah. I, we could see a Terrence Crawford welterweight situation where it's like we have a great talent here, an unbeaten guy. He can put some titles together. He can do some things. But is there any big fight there for him in this division? I hope that doesn't end up being the case for Jamal. But I don't know how much longer Jared Hurd can make 154. That guy's giant. He's big. Maybe we see some kind of uh, two, three fights between both Charlo brothers and Jared Hurd. I'm not panicking for Jamal, but you're hoping that he's going to get one of these big names.
You're a guy that's in the know. Have you heard anything on, on Triple G? I feel like, you know, Tom Loeffler or whoever is now running his career has been saying, oh, next week he's going to come up with uh, where he's going to be fighting. Oh, the week after that, you know, after the new year, what's the latest on, on Triple G in terms of his broadcast partners? I think it's just wait and see. As Tom Loeffler had said the past few weeks, they're going to wait through the holiday season, come up with an answer to start January. I think this is a very interesting what happens next because Triple G is not getting any younger and who could prevent him really with the softest, not the soft, softest is a bad word, the most appealing sort of retirement plan where we'll lure you in, we'll showcase you a couple of times, we'll certainly get you those big fights that you want, a trilogy with with Canelo if you end up going to the zone, of course, top on that list. But, uh, you know, I think it's who can, that's why I think it's interesting here, because who can offer him what he's best looking for? Not just money, not just names, but maybe the showcase and that's why i think espn's still involved in this discussion certainly if he would go the pbc route you have that fox connection i still think it matters to gennady to be presented as someone big and certainly there's ways you can do that in the states on espn and on fox that that are put you out there to much larger audiences than if you just took the zone money and got in line and face Canelo, face Danny jacobs face whomever it's going to be very interesting to see because he's such a big brand that wherever he goes even if there's not a lot of opponents for him, it will be seen as a power move. And for as much as we're excited right now, Dan, that 2019's coming and boxing's kind of hot right now, a lot of money to be made, we're still very segregated. So whenever yes. you have these free agents, they can really tilt things in the power in, in different directions. Now, on, on this show, I do not like the end-of-the-year fighter awards and all that because I feel like a lot of the media, they, they conform together, and like I think everyone has Usyk as their fighter of the year. Uh, you know, fight of the year is, is up for grabs. But, you know, I'd like to try to avoid that to, on today's show, but I want to ask you, so many big moments in 2018. You know, you cover it on your, on your podcast, The State of Combat, with my boy Rafe Bartholomew. What was your favorite or some of the most memorable moments of 2018 for you, Mr. Brian Campbell? I think the moment of 2018, without question, is Tyson Fury getting up off the canvas in round 12 against Deontay Wilder and not just surviving a hilarious two-punch combination that seemed to send him to the deep, dark depths of hell, but thriving, having his legs under him, fighting back and almost winning back that round. I think it's, it was something that was larger than a boxing match. It was sort of this, this uh, it was almost, you know, a folk hero like Joni for Fury to come back to the ring after his you know, much-talked-about story of, of everything he was went through, to see it play out that dramatically. And look, I thought he got robbed of, of a win, a storybook ending. But even without that win, him rising up, it, it wasn't just about that fight. It really wasn't just about Fury. It was about the heavyweight division being back and giving us feelings, giving us a pay-per-view <laughs> that delivered above. That you know, We weren't used to seeing that in the Mayweather era in boxing. And what do we get? We get Triple G and Canelo on pay-per-view in September. That I thought was the fight of the year, and it exceeded expectations in my mind. And then to carry that through to Wilder Fury, that moment of Fury rising like The Undertaker, I think is, is what you'll look back on 2018 and remember most. No, I totally agree with you. That was, the, that was my moment of the year. Uh, a lot of the, my moments of the year came in the heavyweight division, whether it was Wilder's fight uh, with uh, Ortiz back in March or that one you just uh, highlighted. How about outside of the ring? You know, there's so many things. You can uh, talk about Soren Visa, you know, eating fried rat after some of his wins. Or you can talk about <laughs> Jeff Horn. How about Jeff Horn, that three-month buildup on boxing scene where we went to our uh, boxing 
TheWrestlingScene.com, and we saw a different headline every day of the crazy things that Jeff Horner said, just some of the stuff outside the ring, because boxing always delivers on the, the wild and the ridiculous. Yeah, during uh, fight week of uh, Jeff Horn, Terrence Crawford, when the uh, the great new publicist of top rank, Evan Korn, hooked yes. up Jeff Horn with the... Uh, what was it, the Thunder Down Under Australian Men's Dancing Group, and they had him up on their shoulders, <laughs> yeah. uh, shirtless. I, I saw that picture saved on my phone. That may have been my outside-of-the-ring moment of the year, and it, certainly I can come up with another 50 more to make you laugh. If you want to get serious for a second, though, the zone made a pretty big splash outside the ring this calendar year. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to last, but talk about coming into the scene and, and, and saying, look, we're here. We're going to make noise. We, we belong here. That 11-fight, 300 $65 million deal for Canelo seems to be, you know, the biggest headline I've seen this year. Yeah, talking about Canelo, how about the year that he had? You know, entering the year, it was going to be, everyone was talking about the rematch that was set for May with Golovkin. He he tests positive for the clenbuterol. There were so many stories about it. Will he ever recover from this? Will his image, is his image forever tarnished? You know, will he even fight uh, Triple G again? Then he goes ahead. And he has that fight with Triple G later on in the year. And then he goes on and signs this, this crazy deal. And I feel like the narrative has completely changed on Canelo Alvarez, where it's like he is now the main attraction. And that was the case uh, what we saw you know, two Saturdays ago at Madison Square Garden. The place was alive for him. But how about this year that Canelo had up and down, and now he's ultimately on top now? Yeah, he went from uh, he went from celebrated hero to the worst heel in the sport to – baby face all over again. We love Canelo. Yay. I mean, look, it really was an interesting year that you don't see happen or break down that way. And I think a big part of that was how he fought in that Golovkin rematch. And that's combat sports are so fickle. And a big part of that, of course, is the, the short window of, uh, of opportunity to fans and critics to see guys will typically only fight twice a year. You're only as good as your last performance, blah, blah, blah. But all it took was Canelo being the real Mexican-style, quote-unquote, standing in there against really what we thought was the biggest puncher in the sport, Triple G, and helping author such an incredible, classic, all-time action fight and doing it very manly and appeasing all those Mexican fans who who were like, yeah, he's great, he's a pretty boy, but he's not our guy, he's not Chavez. Well, he was Chavez that night, and I think that was a big moment for him to turn back any talks of drug failed drug tests, which we no longer even talk about. I mean, you know, tainted beef is, is now an, an old laid-out joke. Yeah. And then to sign a contract that is with the zone that essentially says, I'm the, you know, I'm the guy in the sport. I'm, you know, until, until Joshua comes to the States and really can have the same impact he has in England, Canelo's our, our Michael Jordan. He's our Derek Jeter for the moment. And people seem to be embracing that. You heard that crowd at MSG when he took down Rocky Fielding in December. I mean, that wasn't the, the fight we'll remember when we look back at 2018, but that scene was certainly one of the most memorable. I think people are happy that this is the face of our sport at the moment at 28 years old, right, at the, right in the you know head of that top five. It's a crowded top five, pound for pound, but Canelo's there. He's the number one face. And I think at least in September and December, he fought like it. Yeah, I kind of underestimated the whole event that was Canelo coming to New York City. Uh, you know, the fight week was awesome, and, and you could kind of feel the momentum coming along as the week went on. And then on that Saturday night at Madison Square Garden, you know, the place was, was filled up early. It was loud. His ring walk was, was electric. I mean, yes, we're not going to remember that Rocky Fielding fight. You're absolutely right. But what a year it's been for Canelo, and he tops it off with a huge win. Um, a huge win in, in with the crowd and everything that brought with it uh, that past week. But finally, before we let you go, you get let you get back to the beach. I know you're trying to get some rays. Um, 
2019. What is 2019 going to bring in the boxing world? What's one of your crazy predictions for this upcoming year? You know, you don't want to be cynical in boxing day. Yeah, I know. We are. We have to be cynical to survive uh, a lot of the feast or famine that is boxing. Um, you know, I don't want to – I hope it, it was as amazing as 2018 was. I hope more promoters are willing to work together despite – the competing uh, television realities and broadcast realities of what's going on in this sport. So what's a crazy thing I want to see? Look, I want to see Fury fight both Wilder again and Joshua in 2019. And I think if that happens and heavyweight boxing is pushed back to the forefront again, the sport is going to just flourish because of that. Obviously, it's great to have boxing on Fox with PBC, and it's great to have a, a, a new entry in zone willing to spend a lot of money on the sport and make it feel important and Showtime strong and ESPN's got a great platform. But if those heavyweight fights are happening, there's no reason these, this shouldn't be the nineties all over again. And these guys shouldn't be facing each other two, three, four, whatever you got amount of times. Let's make it. It's so rare to have three, four heavyweights that really matter that are in their primes. And I'm talking Joshua Wilder, Fury, potentially Alexander Usyk, it's so rare to have that. So let's have them all fight each other. Let's not let the, the financial get in the way, the networks get in the way. You can't underestimate, Dan, how much that can help the sport, that nothing else matters but heavyweights. Let's make that happen again. Let's do it again. Come, on, come along with me. We'll make signs. We'll, we'll go to the ballots. We'll, we'll go to the, uh, the polls. We'll, yeah. we'll pick it. We'll, we'll, these, these guys need to fight each other. I don't want to see Boobs Brazil against Joshua <laughs> and uh, Fury against, I don't know, insert name. And, yeah. and uh, you know what I'm talking Wilder against right. Brazil and Joshua against uh, Big Baby. Maybe they have to happen. They'll be fun events. We've got to build toward the big ones happening. Let's have our Holyfield bow. Yes. Yeah. I'm tired of hearing Foreman, about it. I'm tired of hearing about the stories era. of the past. I'm tired of hearing about the stories of the past of the heavyweight division. We finally have something here. I got chills down my spine. That was Brian Campbell's Gettysburg Address for the heavyweight division for 2019. I'm sold. I'm in. I want it. Love it. They got to fight each other, though, Dan. All right, let's go. You want to be working there on the ones and twos with Uncle Bob. Well, we got to do this. Let's do it, all right? Yeah, let's do this. But you're right, though. But before we let you go, you're so right because you take a look at some of the divisions, and everyone says that the heavyweight division is so top-heavy, but it really isn't. If you look, look at the welterweight division, there's only three really good welterweights. And if you look at the heavyweights, there's really only three good heavyweights. And if they all fight each other, which they surely have, I totally agree with you. The heavyweight division has a chance to springboard the sport back into the mainstream. I'm all for it. Brian Campbell, he's the host of State of Combat Podcast. Go back to the beach. Come back with a tan, all right, man? A big question heading into the new year is who will Canelo fight next? Also, a big question for Canelo is, is he going to make good on this DAZN deal? I was able to catch up with Golden Boy Boxing's Bernard Hawkins. We talked about uh, Canelo's upcoming year as well as the heavyweight division. Later on, we also talked to rising star Ryan Garcia. The kid's a superstar. He's got over 1 million Instagram followers, and he rose to the occasion at Madison Square Garden knocking out his opponent. Here it is. Now you bring up Canelo Alvarez, it's hard to bring up Canelo Alvarez and not bring up Gennady Golovkin. It's a fight that's looming down the pipeline. You dominated the middleweight division. Now Canelo's turn right now. I know he's at 168, but eventually he'll, he'll go back down to 160. Do you think that third fight will happen? And of course, under the zone banner. Anything is possible. But one thing I, I, I will say, not now. Because I don't think that people really like when I say people, fans really will 
rather for Canelo to fight, say, Daniel Jacobs to unify it, hey, one of the Charlo brothers, Charlo brothers, hey, I could throw another one in there for you. It could be David Lemieux. Personally, I want to see the last one. The last Lemieux? name. Oh. Here in New York City or somewhere in Canada. Well, Canelo's shown that he'll fight anywhere. Listen, we talking about Triple G. Let's turn a page and move on. How many fights you want to do? Five fights with Triple G? Well, See, certain styles of fights, no matter who fight, no matter how many times they fight, right. it's going to come out to be the same thing. Close, print on who you ask, print on who's been objective. Those two styles and the way they know each other, that fight will always be a debate. I'm telling you. No, I agree. I mean, look, look. they fought two times. Each fight looked exactly the same. But the reason I bring up Triple G Canelo is because Canelo signed this big deal with the Zone. The Zone wants to make good on it. The fight fans can get a third fight for, for $10 a month. Seems like a home run to me. Well, what seems like a home run is what people don't keep saying a repeat of the repeat. What seemed like the home run to me is a Daniel Jacobs to unify it, like you mentioned. I did. I unified my title. All right, Canelo haven't unified it. He has a chance. So that's one fight right there. We know he got in the gun chamber. We know he got in the gun chamber. And then let's go through the second one. You and I know that the styles between David Lemieux coming off that one punch knockout that shut the lights off of a good contender, possibly a guy getting ready for a title shot himself until that one punch knockout. What are we talking about repeating a third fight? Let Triple G fight one of the Charlo brothers, who's undefeated, who's cocky, who's young. Get him out of the way, if he can. And now we can revisit, because now it's been something he's done with a young superstar fighter, or close to being superstar fighter, that is the Charlo, one of them, not both of them, but one of them, you know, right, Jamal. So to me, Triple G is always the caveat the, the, there. I'm not saying five fights, I'm not saying six fights. He's in the top two or three to debate to be the next fight between now and Cinco de Mayo. But coming out of the gate 2019, I want to see a fresh meet. I want to see a unification or a David Lemieux fight. There's a lot of, lot of options at, at 160. Before we get you to go here, you talk about these controversial decisions. Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, how'd you have it? I had Wilder. Really? I had Wilder. Why yeah. so? I could easily say the two knockdowns. I didn't think that Fury did anything or effective to work his way back after two knockdowns and lost a lot of rounds after that. Even if those rounds is close, you can't deny the two knockdowns and one of them was, he was knocked out. Yeah. I think you it was, believe he got up from that? Uh, well, I believe he got up, but I believe that the referee um, count was a little bit suspect. Really? It was a slow count? It was a slow count. I mean, that count was so slow, God bless her soul, my grandmother could have got up and she was 99 when she passed. But do you think, I mean, it's at the ref's and discretion. she was 99. I, I, God bless they, her. Let's get the cameraman because he's wiping his tears. God they, bless uh, your, your grandmother, but, you know, it, the count. I mean, that count, I mean, that's like, that was one of those counts where I preach education to young kids all the time. To be able to not only count right, 
but to be able to count in a rhythm that's understood and not actually wasting everybody's time wondering when you're going to get the five. One, two, but it's at the ref's discretion, though, right? three, it's not like a, a four, one, two, you want a fester, three. Right. No, I want to count that you know you got ten seconds. But when Wilder makes those claims, like, you know, I broke my hand, and I didn't tell anybody. So you don't it was get a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Right. But you get it enough to be stern and enough to know that he know that the time is clicking. Do you see how it comes off though from Wilder, from fans? They see that he's making like I'm gonna say excuses, but he's coming up with these things afterwards. Like what? You know, I have a broken hand, the slow count. That doesn't bother you? But I watched the fight and I seen it was a slow count. Okay, fair enough. Before he said it. Um, far as his hands, I don't know if he had a broken hand or anything. I, I just think that Wilder is the better fighter. I think Joshua is the better heavyweight out of all of them. But my thing is that we see it again. Both of them should fight again. Um, whether it's going to be the same, I think the styles is what it is. But I think Wilder now knows that he's going to have to knock him out. Get him down two times, you're going to have to knock him out to win. And I, when you go in with that mentality, look, I had a couple of draws in my career. And when I went in there, I went in there other than with Jermaine Tullett that I got to go in and kill a guy. Right. You know, and, 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 and that's, that, that's sometimes you don't want to leave it in the judge's hands. But I clearly believed or thought that uh, Wilder won the fight by unanimous decision. Interesting. Exciting times in the world of boxing, whether it's the middleweight division, the heavyweight division. Bernard Hawkins, appreciate the time. Thank you. You bring up the Reynoso brothers working with Team Canelo. Yeah. A, a big change for you. Talk about that that change for you and, and everything that went into it and, uh, you know, that, that decision to work with Team Canelo. It was just time to do it. You know, you reach a certain level where, you know, I've been training with my dad ever since I was eight years old and we started at the same time. So we've been growing and learning together. So at one point we need somebody with experience that's already been there and what better person than Eddie. How hard is that to transition from, you know, training with your dad? I know it's a tough decision. We hear about it all the time in boxing. You know, just Buster Douglas last night, that 42 to 1 special. He was working with his dad for so long, then realized to get to the next level, no, nothing personal, I have to make a change. So was that your decision or was that the powers that be? It was, it was my dad and I's decision. We were ready to go. Uh, we, uh, We've been thinking about it for a while, so uh, it it was coming, and I think this was perfect timing. Right, so there's a lot of big names in your division. Teofimo Lopez put on a show last week, you know, here in New York. What are your thoughts on uh, Teofimo? Teofimo, you know, he did what he had to do. He knocked that guy out. I mean, he's 11 and 0. I remember when I was 9 and 0, 10 and 0, 11 and 0, 12. I was knocking everybody out cold, just like that. And you know what? He could really be. That next star, because I see it in him. He has the, he has that speed. He has the power, and I wish nothing from the best for him. So one day, you know, when we're at the highest level, we can meet. That's what I, when I was talking to him, he was talking about how he wants these young stars to, to get their shine. Guys like you, guys like Javante Davis, because this just elevates the sport and makes big fights down the line. Do you feel the same way? Exactly. I mean, why would I want to shorten somebody's career or have their career shortened by somebody? So I don't, we don't get a meetup at the biggest state. I mean, it doesn't make sense. We're the, we're, we're the next generation of boxing. So I don't wish bad on nobody. So at 135, you think that's the, the, the ceiling for you? Do you see yourself moving up to maybe 147 eventually? I'm tall for my weight class, so I could, I could, I mean, I'm taller than Canelo, so I, I, I could get big. Uh, it's just. So you're saying you want Canelo? 
Oh, no. <laughs> this guy's funny, man. Nah. <laughs> no, I mean, I could be that big one day. I, I, could, I could feel myself feeling up like that. So that's all, that's all I, I know I could do. I mean, you could go from pound to pound to pound. And I know I have the capability of doing that. I, I'm, I'm tall enough. I'm big enough. So it's just a matter of time. Right, so for, as uh, the fight week goes on, you're going to do some New York sightseeing. You're going to get on the subway. You're going to go over to the Empire State Building. What are you going to head over to Brooklyn? What are you gonna do? I want to see Lady Liberty. I'm out. I want. That's all I really want to see. I want to see Lady. You Liberty. see Statue of Liberty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Statue of Liberty. Yeah. I thought it's not Lady Liberty. Yeah, same thing. Same thing. Yeah. I thought he. See, he's yeah, I'm me. a native New Yorker. That's what it is. This guy messing with me, man. I'm, I'm a native New Yorker. I think so. I gotta punch this dude. <laughs> no, I don't want to get punched. I don't want to get punched. Ryan Garcia, save the punching for Saturday night yeah. on the zone. Awesome, man. Thank, Thank you guys you, so much. Appreciate it. Yeah. That's a wrap for another edition of Inside Boxing Live. I have to thank all my guests, Brian Campbell, Lennox Lewis, Bernard Hopkins, and Ryan Garcia. As for 2018 here at Inside Boxing Live, it's been a great year for us. We've had a who's who of guests that have joined us on the program. Everyone from Bob Arum to Lou DiBella, Teofimo Lopez, Larry Merchant, Sean Porter, Tim Bradley, uh, Jared Hurd, Jarrell Miller, Jim Lampley. Go down the list. They've all stopped in, and they've all talked to us here on Inside Boxing Live. From the business side of things, we saw the rise of the stream. How is your stream? My stream is strong. The Zone, ESPN Plus, they all entered the fray. I think that that's going to continue to happen, obviously, in uh, 2019. We're going to see more and more fights, more bigger fights uh, on the Zone. ESPN Plus isn't going away. As you can see, they're going to start off the year in February uh, with uh, Kovalev and the uh, rematch for that fight. It's going to be on ESPN Plus when while the undercard is going to be on, on ESPN, the linear uh, network so i think the streams are here to stay i think that's one of the biggest stories of uh, 2018 was how boxing is moving away from cable i mean hbo shut their doors i never thought in my wildest dreams i'd ever see the end of uh, hbo but the streams are strong and they're going to continue to stay strong uh, in 2019 boxing became more fragmented in 2018 if that's even possible i mean over on espn plus you have the top-ranked fighters. You look at Fox and Showtime, those are all PBC fighters. The Zone features, for the most part, Matchroom USA fighters, and now Golden Boy as they signed that massive deal with uh, The Zone. I don't think we're going to see a lot of fighters crossing the street, as they like to say now on, on Twitter. You know, Terrence Crawford versus Errol Spence. Are we going to see that? I don't think so, because all these networks and all these platforms and all these broadcasters, they have to make good on their deals. They have to keep, you know, DAZN has to have their fighters stay in the stable and fight each other so that the DAZN shareholders and the, everyone to put up that money gets their money back. The same for Showtime and the same for ESPN and ESPN+. Plus. I do think we'll have a good year of fights because these stables are strong. But, you know, back up if you think you're going to see fights like Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford. Those, these right here are the three fights that I want to see in 2019. Obviously, number one for me aren't the heavyweights. It's the welterweight division. I want to see Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford finally duke it out. You know, this is our, you know, Hearns versus Hagler. This is our Sugar Ray Leonard versus, versus Marvin Hagler and Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford. That's a fight I'd love to see in 2019, but let's be honest, probably not going to see it. Obviously, Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder, that's a fight that I think can be made for 2019. But if you take a look at the tea leaves and you read the tea leaves, I don't think Joshua is going to take that fight. I think Joshua is going to fight April 13th and he's going to not he's going to fight against uh, Dillian White. And my biggest pipe dream for 2019 is seeing 
Floyd Money Mayweather return, and not against Manny Pacquiao, and a rematch that absolutely no one wants to see. It's going to be Floyd Mayweather coming back in a rematch that everyone wants to see, and it would really create a giant buzz in boxing. That's against Canelo. Floyd Mayweather, Canelo Alvarez at 154 pounds on the zone pay-per-view. Oh, man, that would be great. I, I can dream, though, right? I can dream. But that's a wrap here for this episode of Inside Boxing Live. It's been a great year. Special thanks, of course, goes out to our super producer, Nick Kenobio. Does a great job year in, year out, episode in, episode out. And our executive producer, Mr. Bob Kahuna, the Kahuna. As for this, I'm going to send it off. Our final send-off is going to come from an aspiring host. It's been a great year, guys. Today was the 20th year anniversary from this late show. I wanted you to have... A happy, safe new year, and to all good night. Good night, Dave.